In my opinion, I think the better way to do it is cold call property management companies. It's, you know, 10 phone calls instead of 200 plus. Um, so it saves you a lot of time. Also, realtors are like, they're not really incentivized to do all the other stuff. I think they're incentivized to like sell your property, but then like, and maybe they want to keep selling them to you. But honestly, like with this price point, like buying homes 30, 40, 50 grand, they're only making a couple hundred bucks on each house, right? So the incentive is more for property management. And so that's when, when I started going into other markets like Cleveland, Ohio, I would cold call property management companies and pretty much book a flight to Cleveland a month out. Cold call property management companies and have just a meeting with every property management company every day and have them drive around and just hang out with them. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We're buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. And you're listening to The Road to Family Freedom. Our guest this week is a 25-year-old real estate investor from Toronto, Canada. While still in college, he completed his first Burr project out of state with his father's $40,000. Since then, he and his family have completed over 200 real estate projects and currently have a $14 million real estate portfolio. They also, they've also helped create $50,000 a month in cash flow for their clients via Martel Turnkey. And Antoine Martel, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, so you decided to start investing in real estate while you were in college. Can you, do you recall sort of an aha moment where you were like, oh yeah, real estate, man? <laughs> yeah. So I was actually, I was at university, I was studying entrepreneurship and it was my junior year. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to graduate and get a job. I've always been like an entrepreneur. You know, if you talk to anybody that grew up with me, they'd be like, yeah, Antoine, the guy that used to sell me blank, you know, <laughs> whether it was drugs or it was other legal stuff or candy and soda and stuff like that at, at school. Right. So I was always selling stuff, importing stuff from China, doing, doing everything under the sun in, in terms of selling. That was me. Um, and so growing up, that was me, entrepreneurship lifestyle. And then in my junior year of college, um, my brother took me to a real estate investing seminar, me and my dad. And we kind of, it was like a three day event, like a weekend thing. We learned about flipping houses, um, yeah, wholesaling, apartment buildings, every, you know, all those different ways to invest in real estate. And then from there, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this seems way more fun. I had always wanted to, you know, like own real estate was kind of like my dream as a kid. And um, going to that seminar kind of opened my eyes to like what the numbers look like, how much money it takes, et cetera, et cetera, especially here in California. And for the next year or two, I just like was all real estate. So 
that was like the beginning of my junior year. Then I couldn't stop thinking about real estate and real estate investing. And that eventually led me into out of state investing. So, but that was kind of my aha moment going to that, that weekend seminar while I was in university and then I couldn't get it out of my head. I was just kept pounding the pavement, trying to figure out how I can make this work with, you know, I didn't have any money. My dad had 40 grand. So how the hell can I make this work with $40,000 in California? Eventually it didn't happen, but I eventually found out about out of state investing and that's where my 40 grand could go a whole lot further. Um, well, do you want to tell us about that first investment? Yeah, sure. So then, so junior year learns about real estate. Then for the next year and a half, really just kept learning, networking. I moved all my classes from like at night from five to 10 PM. So I could focus my day on like building my team out of state, um, networking, going to coffee and lunch meetings with people. And so I, through my networking, I had found out a lot of people were investing out of state and they were, you know, how they found their markets, how they built their teams, how much it costs and looking at the numbers. And then my kind of last year, my senior year, kind of like, um, in January and I was graduating in May, I had, you know, finally built this team in Memphis, which was property management, realtor, contractor, and began submitting offers on homes. Got my first house under contract, $35,000. Renovation was $5,000. And then it was worth like $55,000 after. And so ended up buying that property a couple days before graduating. Uh, sorry, a couple months before graduating. Um, renovated it, rented it out, did a cash out refinance with a local credit union, and then gave my dad his $40,000 back. Um, and so then I went to my dad and I was like, Hey, here's your, here's your money back. Your $40,000. I can keep doing this after graduating. If you want me to, um, just give me six months. Let me try to figure this out. But I do have this team on the ground. Um, so let me try to figure this thing out in, in, um, in Memphis and graduated in May focused on that just Memphis and then adding other markets went to Cleveland as well. And by the end of the year, we had like eight to 10 single family homes in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and that was in December of 2017 when I, uh, shortly after I graduated. Gotcha. Um, and what kind of, uh, what kind of rents were you seeing on that, that first property in Memphis? Yeah. So the rents there were like $700 a month. Gotcha. Sorry. My phone started ringing. <laughs> Forgive me. No worries. No worries. Um, and, uh, what, uh, what led you to, what led you to the Memphis market? Yeah. So a couple of different things that I learned through listening to podcasts and just networking with people about finding their homes out of state was, um, like the, the major employers in a market, the population growth, job growth, the diversity of the workforce, and then the price to rent ratios too, which is most important for cash flow. So um, I did a ton of research, made a Google spreadsheet of like the 50 to 100 markets in the US with populations over 200,000. And then took that list and kind of just like made a, okay, does it have, well, who are the major employers? How, do I think that they're going to be there in the long term? Population growth and just graphed all of it. And then, you know, Memphis and Cleveland were like on the top of my list once I did that. They didn't have much population growth or job growth, but um, they were at least stable. Um, so anything that was going down, I didn't want, but anything that was stable, because I found out that the markets that had any increase in population growth or job growth, the prices had already gone through the roof um, and they didn't make much sense. So I was like, okay, well, 
that's something that I just have to remove off my list. And it ended up being Memphis and Cleveland that I started looking into um, to, to go into my first two markets. Gotcha. And then um, what, um, how did you go about building your team? I mean, you've, you've talked about, you've had realtors, contractor, property yeah. manager, uh, probably a lender in there. local. Yep. yep. So when I first started, I would just cold call realtors all day long. That's why I moved my classes to the nighttime so I can cold call realtors during the day. Cause at five or six o'clock, most realtors are way gone. Um, so I would call them. I made a Google spreadsheet again and just called every single realtor. I went to Zillow, go to Zillow type Memphis, Tennessee, and you go, there's a little agents tab and it shows like the top agents and there's like thousands of them. And I would just start with number one and just start cold calling. And after about 200 agents, I finally found somebody that knew about investing and uh, had some properties and had connections to a property management company and contractors and stuff like that. So after 200 phone calls, finally found somebody who knew the investment space um, and could connect with, connect me with other people that can help, you know, make that deal a success. And then, you know, I was calling just people that, you know, had properties in my price range. So cold call, like just listing agents, ask them about their deals. Most of them didn't know, know much about their property or renovations or property management, but this guy actually knew. So after 200 phone calls, it was kind of like, Oh my God, I finally found the guy I've been looking for. Um, and it, he kind of just was my hub to, you know, connect me with other people in the marketplace to help make that first deal a success. Um, have you, so this is, you know, if you've ever read David Green's book on long distance real estate investing, I mean, you basically did exactly what David Green recommends, which is start with, start with a realtor who knows the investment space and then yep. just start, you know, just start building out from there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was a good, I mean, there's a better way to do it in my opinion. I think the better way to do it is cold call property management companies. It's, you know, 10 phone calls instead of 200 plus. Um, so it saves you a lot of time. Also realtors are like, they're not really incentivized to do all the other stuff. I think they're incentivized to like sell your property, but then like, and maybe they want to keep selling them to you. But honestly, like with this price, point, like buying homes, 30, 40, 50 grand, they're only making a couple hundred bucks on each house. Right. So it's, uh, the incentive is more for property management. Um, and so that's when, when I started going into other markets like Cleveland, Ohio, I would cold call property management companies and pretty much book a flight to Cleveland a month out cold call property management companies and have just a meeting with every property management company every day and have them drive around and just hang out with them. And that's how I was able to build a team in a week instead of taking, you know, three months of cold calling and learning the market. So, um, that's how I was able to speed up the process because I use them as a hub and spoke right, or like as the hub and then they can connect me with agents. They can connect me with lenders, um, insurance companies, contractors, cause they already have a lot of those connections. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You know, realtors are usually just going to be sort of focused on, they may be, they might have a, a lender that they're connected to. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and they don't really know much about the rental market. Yep. Um, and so if you get a property manager, they may not know a whole lot about, what kind of appreciation, you know, this market, you know, this neighborhood's going to have, but they do know that what the rents are, yep. you know, the contractors and the, you know, uh, and the lenders and uh, yeah, that's a great strategy. Yep. 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 Did you um, visit a lot of the properties you were buying? No. So that first year, 2017, I don't think I bought like five, six houses without even ever going there. And then 
once I like, once things were finally rolling, which to me was like five or six homes. And I was like, Oh my God, this is actually working. Um, and I was like, I might as well, I, I need to go and just see it then now that, that things are finally rolling to take it to the next level. Right. So I don't want this guy to, I don't want this guy to have, you know, put a face to my name and like actually build a, a relationship so that we can go, you know, very far together. And so, yeah, I finally flew out after like five or six properties. Wow. Uh, and what is your, what is your personal portfolio look like now? I mean, you said 14, you know, you guys are up to a $14 million portfolio. How, yeah. How yeah. You know that? So kind of the, the story from 2017 to now is, uh, so the end of 20, so graduated in 2017 in May by December, eight to 10 homes. Then after that, we kind of ran out of that, that $40,000 initial investment kind of was depleted. And we're like, all right, what the hell are we going to do now? Um, you know, my dad can keep working and collect his paychecks and we can use that to buy more later, but it's going to take a little bit and use the cash flow, right? But these houses, you're making 200 bucks each, you're, you're making two grand a month. It's going to take a very long time to save another 50 grand. Um, so what we ended up doing, people started reaching out to us actually like, Hey, what's Antoine doing after graduating? Oh, he's, you know, he's helping us grow a family rental property portfolio in Memphis. What? He's doing what? Um, and so that kind of started this thing of people reaching out to us like, oh, we want to invest in real estate. How are you guys doing it? Just people got word of what we were doing. And so they were like, can we, can we invest in, in real estate in Memphis? We want to own rental properties out of state as well. We just never knew like how to do it or whatever. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay, maybe we can sell the properties we own, you know, make a profit on it and then use that cash to keep, keep going and doing it. And so we can sell, a, you know, buy a house, to refinance it, to hold it and buy a house to, to flip it to these other, these other people. And we'll connect them with our property management lender insurance company. Cause we already have them all there. Might as well. It doesn't hurt us. And so that's exactly what we did. I made a little janky little website, martellfamilyrealty.com. Mm -hmm. um, and just took all my parents, friends and family on their, their emails and put them in an email MailChimp list and hey, said, Hey, we started investing in real estate and here's some homes we have available. We, you know, if you're interested in investing in rental properties. And so that's how it all started. And from that list, we sold a, you know, a couple properties. And then I was like, okay, this can be a, you know, a legit business here. And started learning that the word for that business was a turnkey company. And so started essentially raising money to buy more houses to sell to these people that I had on my email list. And that's how Martel turnkey was then born. And then, so over the last couple of years, we've scaled that up and we're doing like 10 to 15 homes a month right now. Um, so, and that's in two markets, Memphis, Tennessee and Cleveland, Ohio. So that's kind of what, what Martel turnkey does. And then we've been using, you know, the capital and cash flows from those to buy apartment buildings. And so last year in 2019, we bought close to a hundred doors in Memphis, Tennessee and Midtown. So really, really nice up and coming neighborhood of, of Memphis. And we bought close to a hundred doors, um, half of them owned by just us. And then the other half uh, we brought on some investors just because as soon as we bought that first deal, the deals kept coming in and I was like, oh, I don't have any more money, but there was a lot of people I'm in LA. So there's a lot of people here in LA that want to invest out of state and have, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so started bringing in joint venture partners to fund those deals with us. How are you connecting to the people who are buying your um, the, the turnkey properties or who are investing in these bigger deals? So investing in the bigger deals has been more through networking pre COVID, um, networking events, going to networking events, hosting networking events. Uh, and then also a big one has been Instagram. So I post every single day on Instagram, just what I'm doing, what I'm up to. And that's helped me raise and just, you know, 
put my face in more eyeballs of a lot of people that have been interested in investing. One of our biggest investors right now who has a couple million bucks from us came from an Instagram DM. Hey, I want to invest with you. And I'm like, all right, set up a phone call. And I get those all day long. Right. And, and then he's like, yeah, well, this is how much come to come meet up with me. And this is how much money I have. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is a, a gold mine. You know, I've never had that big of a, I'm an investor come to me with, with interest all from Instagram. And so that's how turnkey clients do. It used to be heavy on bigger pockets, just like giving out free information on bigger pockets, helping people out, helping people get started. And a lot of people like turnkey is a great option. You know, they don't have, they work full time, they have a family, so they don't have much time to invest or do their own thing or manage contractors or build the team, which can take months to build your first team. Um, many of them try it and then just give up after the first month because, you know, they didn't get anywhere. And so turnkey is a great option. So just by getting out there and meeting these people and going to networking events, because um, most of them are after work and a lot of people, in LA only have 20 or 50 grand. And they're like, how the hell can I, I'm going to these networking events. Everybody who's in LA is flipping these houses and has a million bucks in the bank to flip them or a couple hundred grand, or they're raising all this money. But I just want to, I just want some cash flow. I have 20 grand. I have a stable job. So it's mostly just by networking and then networking at the And so there's a lot of, I think like 80% of our sales right now are either uh, word of mouth or repeat business. I'm going to have you repeat that. Uh, you, you broke up there for a second. So let me, um, yeah, I know it's the, are you guys recording the video or no? We are recording the video. Uh, uh, we don't, we have, we, we use it sometimes, you know, uh, okay. The little clips and like the main thing we're after is the audio. So, but okay. your, audio, your audio totally froze there as well. So, okay. Which part did it cut out on? Um, <laughs> it was only right there at the end. Um, talking about 80% of my clients come from referrals or yep. yes. In yep. that. Okay. <laughs> right, so stand by. So in the end, about 80% of our clients right now come from re referrals or, or word of mouth. So it's kind of taken itself by storm just with the initial marketing that we did a couple years ago. Gotcha. Awesome. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the things I, when I talk to investors as well, you know, you'll talk to people who are interested in real estate and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a doctor and I want to, I want to invest in, I want to invest in real estate or I want to invest in self storage. And, um, or, you know, sometimes I'll talk to other real estate investors who are, uh, doing really well in a particular niche. And then they want to come over into, you know, they want to start investing in something. And I'm like, like, slow down, just my suggestion. And you can take the advice or not is focus on your, your core competency where you're making most of your money and diversify by investing passively. Um, you know, cause otherwise you're going to, you're going to split your focus and you're going to have to learn an entirely new strategy. And you know, it's better off to just focus on what's making you the money now and start putting it into buckets that are going to earn money passively where you're not ha having to put it in the work. Yep. I agree. I agree too with, I mean, even just people quitting their full-time job. So my, the first salesperson I ever hired, her name's Angelica. She works at Martel Turnkey and you know, sells all of our houses. And she, she quit her job and she was making good money, six figures. She quit her job to go and start real estate investing and flipping houses in Long Beach here in, in LA. And I was like, and I met her at a networking event and I'm like, you did what to do what? And she's like, yeah, we, I quit my job to flip houses full time in LA. And I'm like, how's that going for you? Um, yeah, we did our first house and we're, we're losing money. You know, I'm not going to make any money. So I'm like, hold on. So you left your money, the job that was making you money that was making you financeable. So you can even get financing 
you left that to go flip houses. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And so from there, I think that was a huge learning experience for her. And, you know, I use her as an example to a lot of my turnkey clients or just people in general who ask advice too. like they, they want to buy rental properties or, or do something with anything related to bank financing and they leave their job to go invest full time. And it's like, you could have just stayed an extra year or two at your job and use that as the, you know, the Kickstarter to go and start your real estate investing journey. Cause now you can get interest rates at 4% instead of, you know, if you don't have W2, you can get them at six and a half or 7%. So it's like, I always urge people to just stay at their jobs for a year or two more if they can handle it. Use that bank financing to get them started in their, you know, get some cash flow coming in at least. Then you can leave your job because it doesn't matter after. Just use your job and leverage it while you can. A lot of people just, I think, leave their jobs too early um, when they could use that for to get some good financing to buy, get into some stuff to make cash flow at the beginning. Yeah. This is also a good strategy for someone like uh, in California, you've got people in California or people who are here in Vegas that have markets that are not great cash flow markets or have their price points are a lot higher than for someone who has that, you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever, 50 K, but that's great, except it's not going to do anything in the market that you currently have. And maybe you don't know anything about that, you know, long distance market. This is a great way to get into it. Yep. Uh, without the risk and the time commitment of trying to put that team together. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the thing is a lot of people that we talk to here in LA, like they, they have less than a hundred thousand dollars most of them less than $50,000, but they want to get started. It's like, there's very few options that you, that you have to, to get started in real estate with less than 20 grand or less than 50 grand. Gotcha. Um, all right. So your first year you bought eight, you know, you bought eight to 10 or you bought 10 properties in 2017 and now you're doing 10 to 15 homes a month. Um, yeah. Let's talk about how you scaled that machine and how you built that. Yeah. Machine. So it's a lot of systems and a lot of processes that we have. Um, and also just a lot of marketing as well. Cause you know, to sell eight to 10 homes a month, it takes a lot of, there's a lot of people. We have, I just looked at the spreadsheet right before, we have 40 projects going on right now. So there's a lot of, lot of homes in the works and how the hell do you manage all that stuff, right? So first of all, we have a really good CRM system. We use Zoho CRM. And so before when I was doing it all myself, really in 2018, I means selling all the homes myself. Um, I was, you know, I didn't, I had some little janky little CRM, but it didn't automate any emails, automate any task. The new CRM Zoho, it automates like 80% of the mess, the emails we used to do. Right. So imagine you're selling a house to somebody and you want to introduce them to the lender, the insurance company and the title company. Mm -hmm. I used to do those three emails manually. Uh, but now with the click of a button, I add the buyer to the CRM. That's, you know, Steve is buying this property. I click a button, it's click approved or whatever. And it introduces the Steve to those three people in an email and it attaches the contract. So all of that work now is, is, is done um, for me. So just little things like that to just put less, less and less pressure on somebody, whether it's me or now my, the salespeople who are doing that. Um, so they can focus more on selling instead of like, okay, I sold it. Now, what do I have to do? It's like, no, you just go who bought it. You fill in the form and then somebody, you know, it's going to do everything else for you. You don't have to, you don't have to think or worry about it. Um, so those little automations, we also use Zapier a lot. 
um, which helps automate a lot of tasks. So we, I think we have like 10,000 tasks a month that are being automated with Zapier. So again, all stuff that we used to use manually, um, is all automated with Zapier and Zapier can like connect, for example, your MailChimp, your Zoho CRM to your MailChimp. So like every time you add a new contact to your Zoho, it adds to your MailChimp. So that person's automatically on your email list. Again, something I used to do manually, right? Mm -hmm. So automating all those things and like spending the money and time up front to like put the effort in. And I'm telling you every single week, there's some new thing that we're adding to our system to make it even better and stronger. And, you know, somebody, there's like six of us now in Martel Turnkey. And so every week we have a meeting on Wednesdays and it's kind of like, okay, is there anything automated or, or boring or stupid that somebody doesn't want to do anymore? And what can we do to, to fix that? Right. So, um, it's a, it's a constantly evolving process as well. And it's, it's kind of never ending. Um, cause no, but there's no like, oh yeah, here's a CRM system for a turnkey company or here's a, a cash, for example, cash flow management system to manage all your cash flows for your 40 projects and the half a million dollars in unpaid construction bids that you have. So what the hell do I use to manage? So that's something else too, that um, we were really nervous about a lot of big flippers go out of business just due to, or I guess companies in general, just bad management of their cash flow, And cause it's very hard to manage cash flow first of all. And especially when you have a lot of other people's money investing in your deals um, there's a lot of math that takes in, into account. So we actually built our own cash flow management system now that again, we use, we use Zapier to control, go from the CRM to the cash flow management system. So we can track all of our cash flows and make sure that, you know, we have enough money in the bank to pay for their cons- projects and construction and under contract to be able to buy those homes as well. So there's a lot of things, a lot of things going on behind the scenes just to make sure that everything is, is working well. Sense. How many people before the interview, we talked about that your family is part of the company. There's you. And then you said you've got Angelica who's doing your sales. Is that kind of the main team or is there other people that are? Doing yeah. That? So, so it's uh, me, my, both of my parents, my brother, um, both of my roommates uh, and Angelica. So I hired both my roommates. I hired them at the beginning of the year. Both of them were working for somebody else. They both hated their jobs. One of them is working at Martel turnkey. The other one, we brought them onto the team to start a new business, which is a wholesaling company. So last year we were doing like eight homes a month, seven homes a month. And I was kind of looking at it like, okay, if I want to keep doubling this, cause we've been doubling every year. And I was like, if I want to keep doubling this, I'm going to need a way to get these like, how do I go from eight to 16 homes a month to 20, you know, 24 homes a month. Right. And so I'm like, I need a way to like, if I want to go into a new market, I need a way to go and like find deals within the first month. So, um, so that I can go and buy these deals without having to go and, you know, find all these deals off the, on the MLS and stuff like that. And so we're about a team of nine. If you include everybody, the wholesaling business and also Martel turnkey. Gotcha. Um, and you know, now are you guys handling the management side as well? Or are you outsourcing the management? No, hell no. Uh, I don't want to get into that. Um, and so management's all third party. We all use third party man- property management, the multifamily portfolio in Memphis is managed, um, by the same company that manages all the single family homes for our clients. So these companies are companies we've been using for a long time. And 
Um, we've never had one of our clients you know, buy a house from us and then like change management or something like that. But all the homes are, are managed by third party property management. Yeah. It's not something I want to, the eight to 10% we pay is, is well worth uh, the money. Gotcha. And then how did you, how did you go about finding that uh, property manager? I mean, cause one of the, one of the biggest challenges with somebody who's uh, investing out of state is your property manager is really going to be property manager and probably your contractor are going to be where you're going to succeed or fail. Uh, yep. Often in our experience and a lot of people we've invested with is some property managers are really great in the beginning when they're managing a portfolio of 20. And then once they get up into a portfolio of let's say over a hundred, then their, their systems start to break down and things like that. How did you go about, how'd you go about finding that manager and, and qualifying? Would you ever, did you ever have to fire a property manager? Yeah, we've had to fire a couple property management companies. Um, but I mean, right off the right off the bat, the way that I found them was just just Google, just Memphis, Tennessee property management companies. Cold calling them, you'll call half of them, half of them will will answer, and then half of them, you know, half of those people are not interested or don't want to help you or do certain things like that, or just never email you when they say they're going to. So, it's there's very few that actually are responsive and want to work with you having to fire a property management company. Yeah. We've had to do that a, a couple of times, I think twice now. Um, but you know, it's kind of hard to gauge a property management company until you really like have them start to manage homes for you. Um, and we've had, you know, companies that we've worked with for one to two years and then we've just been like, Hey, you know, we needed you to help scale with us. We needed you to create these systems to make the process better. And, um, it's really finding that property man for us, at least like if you're just buying one turnkey rental property, you don't really need to care about all this stuff. But when you're have a turnkey company, you go into a new market or find a property manager and they need to onboard 10 new clients every month, they better have a system and process and people behind it to onboard. Cause that's a lot of onboarding. That's a lot of documents to keep track of one lady in an office cannot handle all that information. Yeah. Uh, and then also just the tenant move-ins. I mean, 10, you know, 10 homes every single month going on the market for rent, you know, marketing those homes, showing those properties, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we go in trying to find property management companies that want to grow with us and are willing to take our, advice and because we've done it before in other markets. And so really talking for us was really important to talk to the person who owned the property management company. So I don't want to just talk to some, you know, some little property manager who manages 50 out of the 1000 doors you manage. I need to be talking to the owner so that I can, you know, build that relationship with him and show him my value that I'm bringing to the table and make sure that he's open to working with us and opening the scale. And so that's what we found just owners that are very transparent with their business. Uh, they're telling us their needs. Hey, we want to onboard 30 new clients a month and we, you know, we'll help you in whatever way we can to get there. Oh, you, uh, you know, in order to do so, we'll drop our fees for all your clients from 10 to 8%. Will that help you sell more? Yes, it will. Thank you. You know, like certain things like that to help scale um, has really helped us in those markets and also just build that relationship with these property management companies. Cause it's a, at the end of the day, it's a win-win for, for both of us. Gotcha. Um, any major frustrations or, or uh, setbacks along the journey? Uh, there's been a couple. I mean, we tried to go invest in Akron, Ohio one time, um, found a property management company that was good. 
uh, on paper and they answered all our questions correctly. And then at the end of the day, they, you know, their contractors, they referred us to were horrible. Um, the contractors overcharged us. Um, they charged us for every time that they had to go walk the property. They charged us like on a per hour basis. And I'm like, man, we're trying to build a long-term thing with you. You can't charge us every time you want to go. And like, we asked for a photo of something, just call your contractor that you supposedly have a good relationship with it, you know, get it done. You know, we're, we're in it for the long haul. I'm not here to, I'm not going to go and like track your hours and pay you like 50 bucks an hour for every time you're going to go, you know, and your mileage, I'm not going to go pay you for every time you have to go drive the damn thing. So that relationship we cut off, luckily we just did one house and then cut off that relationship. And then another property management company, yeah, we were working with them for a year or two and we kept urging them like, Hey, we want to take this to the next level. Hey, we want to take this to the next level. And uh, it just never happened. They just never got there. Bad systems, bad processes, and then just not enough manpower to handle it. So we found a new property management company that just has way more systems and processes in place. And again, that's just, that's just for us because we kind of need those because most property management companies can't handle that much onboarding uh, and that much change of a, you know, change of properties as well. Cause imagine our portfolio for the property management company has like 30 houses, right. Or 15 houses. Cause we buy a house, it's under construction, they're managing it. They find a new tenant and then it transfers out of our portfolio. So there's a lot of like data on their CRM and property where system going in and out. So they need to be handle, handle all that. And then all the maintenance work orders and stuff like that too. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to, to keep track of. So yeah, we've had to fire a couple property management companies, but no, uh, no horrible stories or horrible uh, repercussions from that. Do you have anything to add? No, okay. I wasn't here for <laughs> okay. No worries, no worries. Had to go move a car, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know, one of the, what you're saying there, and it's, it's so, so important, it's something to remember if someone's getting involved in real estate is avoid the transactional relationships. Yeah. Um, try to build relationships with people where it's for the long haul. You know, don't yep. build that, don't build a relationship with somebody who's going to charge you $50 an hour just to go out and take a photo of something, you know, build a relationship with somebody who's going to be there and do it on 20 to 30 to 40 to a hundred properties. Yep. Cause yeah, they know 100%. they're going to get paid for it overall, probably more if they're, you yeah. know, they're looking for the long term, not the short term. Yeah. 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 And that's what, that's what I found difficult about like the David Green strategy of re contacting realtors first. 90% of the realtors I talk to are all transactional. They are just, how do I get this transaction done? How do I get my commission? How do I get my commission? How do I get, that's all they're thinking about. Most of them. There are other agents that are, you know, they own a property management company or you know, a part owner or have a really good, you know, their best friend owns the property. And so then they have this more of this like relationship building and long-term strategy, but it's very, you know, it took me 200 cold calls to find one person that had that kind of mindset that, okay, yeah, like, I can see the money in it for both of us kind of thing and how we can, once we scale it up, things are going to make sense. So, cause I was, you know, we pay people who we pay project managers you know, on our mark in our markets, like 500 to a thousand bucks to manage every single home that we renovate. So, you know, that can be an agent, somebody from the property management company. We're very like, we'll pay you for your time. Trust me. But like, you know, one project may take, you know, 80 hours of your time. One project may take eight, but I'm going to pay you a flat fee no matter what. Let's just get it done and get the scale up so that it makes sense, you know, and it evens out. 
All right. So you, you're, you're in the Memphis and Cleveland markets. How have you seen those markets change since you started investing in 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, the last two years have been, I think the best two years of appreciation for both those markets ever, or in the last 30 years or something crazy like that. Both of them, I think had for certain neighborhoods and certain pockets, had like eight to 10% appreciation, which normally it's like two to three. Um, there's also a lot of like publicity around, uh, especially Cleveland, Ohio. I think it was like a number one place to flip homes uh, last year, um, which is crazy as well. Um, and I think that's helped a lot of the appreciation as well. Just a lot of home flippers are going into that market as well. So things have changed. I mean, we used to sell homes in certain neighborhoods, both in Memphis and in Cleveland for like 65,000 bucks. Now we're selling them for 85, $95,000. So just within a couple of years. Um, and I think that's, you know, because we have also been focusing on very specific zip codes, we, uh, for each market, we're only in three, four zip codes. And so we do a lot of volume in those small little areas. And so, you know, once you do, you know, there's like a thousand homes in an area, you do like 50 of those homes. You know, it's a big number of properties that have been, you know, went from dilapidated to now nice and look good. And so it, it slowly changes the neighborhood. And um, I think that that's been a part of that appreciation process as well. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've, I've been hearing Memphis and Cleveland now for a couple of years and those, you know, those markets were certainly hit pretty hard by 2008. And one of the nice yeah. things about companies like Martel and uh, I'll, I won't mention one of your competitors, but there's a big competitor <laughs> in, uh, where in one of the markets you work in is that they go in and you, you, you change the market because investors yep. are coming in and you're cleaning up that you're cleaning up these properties and making them nicer. And you know, it's sort of a rising tide uh, raises all ships. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, in Cleveland there in Memphis, I know the competitor, but in Cleveland it's, I mean, there used to be a couple of big guys. I don't know what's, what's happened over the last couple of years. I think they've started to slow down. I think we're probably the biggest one in Cleveland right now. Um, but in Memphis, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of big competitors that are doing stuff in a more high, higher price point than us, but yeah. Uh, and what sort of, uh, what sort of changes have you seen? You know, we're, we're recording this right in the middle of, uh, the middle, hopefully the tail end of yeah, uh, the COVID pandemic. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he says, hopefully, um, are you, what sort of impact are you seeing on your uh, or your on your portfolio and your clients portfolio yeah so there hasn't been that much of an impact due to covid um thank thankfully there were uh, i think like two tenants out of the 150 that you know had some covid related job loss issue i think it's more just because of the markets we're in um they they were shut down for a little bit like everybody in the US, but then they open up fairly quickly. Courts open up fairly quickly. Courts are open now and they're handling evictions in the middle of August. So um, there was also no like, there's no rent control in these markets. There's no like eviction memorandum or whatever was going on here in, in California where you couldn't evict people. You can still evict people in, in our markets. And so our clients' portfolios weren't affected that much. Um, I think like our multifamily portfolio, maybe we collected like 5% less than what we normally do. So norm instead of 95, I think we're at like close to 90% collections. 
Um, and then even with leasing, I think leasing was like at an all time high the last couple of months. Uh, and I think it's because a lot of the people that actually wanted to go and buy homes just didn't think that it was the right time or didn't want to go walk a, a million properties to find the house for them. Um, so a lot of those people, maybe they're now renting out for a year and wait till this thing blows over and then they can go on their, their hunt for their home that they want to live in for the next 30 years. So, a bit, you know, leasing all time high, uh, and even leasing during a pandemic when they need to have, you know, pay stubs and, and stable income and stuff like that. So there's a lot of good tenants that are moving into properties that do have a stable income already. Um, so, you know, tons of good signs that we've been seeing and, you know, there wasn't that much of a, an effect in our markets. Yeah. The, the unemployment and that kind of thing seemed to not be super high there. I don't know. No, oh, no. Nope. Yeah. That bodes well for the <laughs> lag that uh, real estate usually has for yep. um, issues. So. Yeah. So, what does a typical transaction look like for one of your one of your clients? Whether they're buying in Memphis, you know, as far as down payment, uh, purchase price, sure. rent, you know, rent, and you know, hopefully cash flow and things like that. Yeah. So we are. Normally we sell our homes for 80 to 90 grand. So a client comes in, puts 20% down, 16,000 bucks, a couple thousand bucks in closing costs, so all in for right around $20,000 to buy one of those properties. Those properties will rent out for 900, 950 bucks a month. Um, so most of them will beat the 1% rule, it'll be right around it. Then you have taxes, insurance, property management, um, all that kind of stuff. And most of those homes will cash flow two to 300 bucks a month. So 20% down two to 300 bucks a month, positive cash flow after all expenses. So they're making around three, uh, 15% cash on cash return year over year. And then of course we help them. We'll sell them the property that's been fully renovated, help them get financing, insurance, property management, all of those things. Um, so yeah. And are they typically, do you guys do property tours or are they mostly buying them sight unseen? Oh no, not sight unseen. 99% of them sight unseen. Um, cause most of the time it's like finish renovation, take photos and then like post the photos, post it for rent and it's rented out within seven days. So they're very, they rent out very quickly. Um, so like a bunch of our clients have been under contract on home. Oh, I want to go visit it. Okay. Well you have, you have a window like renovations done. Here's the photos. You better be there within the next week or else, you know, the house is going to have a tenant in place. So yeah, sure. You can go, but uh, good luck, you know, you're going to spend, a, it's going to be an expensive flight over there. Um, so we have had tenants, I mean, uh, clients do it before, but it really doesn't make sense. I mean, we try to give, we give as much information as possible. We let them do inspections on the homes as well to, you know, double check things if they want to. Yeah. I and mean, we have two Burr investment properties in North Carolina that we've never seen. So, <laughs> or like yep. being physically in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Actually, I saw one. I saw the first one. Oh, I forgot. You did see it. Okay. Yeah. But, Before we... <laughs> okay. But you wouldn't have necessarily had to if you no. hadn't planned to take that trip. No. And the you funny know. thing was we actually, that was the first time I saw it was when I was just visiting the market and I just drove by it. And that well, that doesn't the, count. Okay. Well, what, <laughs> I finish, can I finish my story? You were visiting with the like <laughs> intention of buying it. You just happened to see it. Not <laughs> uh, no. And the funny thing about that one was the first, that's the very first one we put the offer in Yeah. and it fell out. Somebody, you know, uh, somebody else, they, they yeah. accepted somebody else's offer and then it fell out of escrow and then we pounced on it later. So yeah. Anyway. 
Anyway. But we also didn't see it before it like went on the market for rent or anything. Like we've yeah. just seen just the, after, after renovation. Yeah. 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 I don't, I mean, I don't think it's not, I mean, that was six houses deep before I went to a market and that was just, it wasn't to see any of the houses. It was just to meet the guy and the team on the ground. It was more just the relationship than the, I could have gone there and not seen a damn house. I couldn't have cared, cared less. I don't, I was 21 years old. I didn't even know what, what a renovated house looked like compared to, you know, I didn't know if this is, is renovated and working or not working. Yeah, you could have told me either way. I wouldn't have known. Right. So that's why I think you just have to put a lot of trust into the team you build on the ground and make sure that they have the experience they've done it before. Then you can always hire third party inspectors to go and double check stuff. And they're going to know way more. Like, that's what I tell a lot of my clients like, Oh, I want to go see the house. And like, can you have a, send me a video walkthrough of the property? I'm like, why do you need a video walkthrough? And somebody asked for a video of the lot. Like, can you have somebody walk around the lot for us? And I'm like, what? You can pay your, pay, call your inspector, pay him an extra hundred bucks to take a video of the lot for you. I don't know what you want to get out, what you're hoping to get out of the, a video of the lot, but, um, but go ahead. I don't know how it's going to affect the rental, the, the rent amount. We're going to get it rented out for you regardless. So but I think that just people need to take that into consideration a lot. And we, that normally helps a lot of our clients just get over the fact that they're not going to see the property in person. It's like hire your third party inspector. They've been doing this for 30 years. They're going to know, you know, 30 times more than what you would know if you were to go and walk the property. Yeah. So, well, and it's, I think it is important to have a, a third party inspector look at the house. Are you guys funneling to that or is it somebody that's totally independent? From no, you? it's yeah. It's third party property management company that we, so like our clients sometimes are like put a house under contract. Hey, we'd like to get this inspected. We'll send them a list of like three guys that we use personally when we buy the house. Hey, choose one, let us, you know, call them, whatever, let us know which one you want to do and we'll schedule it for you. Yeah. And so that's normally how it, how it happens. Yeah. Well, there's a, and I understand, I mean, there's, there's a very famous turnkey uh, horror story that's sort of going around right now. I'm, I'm not going to mention his name just because uh, we, we both know who he is, but I don't want to give him more publicity. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the problem was that, you know, his, his claim was that he got in bed with a, you know, a guy who just got overwhelmed and, and couldn't do the job and people were buying houses that were, you know, that were not, they were sitting, not getting renovated, you know? Yeah. Um, so I understand from, you know, if you're somebody who's new to this, it's yeah. a little scary to, to put down that chunk of money for an asset that you've never laid eyes on. And, you know, and you are taking the word of, you know, somebody who's got a good track record, but you know, um, anyway, that's, I think it's always good. do. Yeah. Always do your own due diligence. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, I, I recommend everybody do that as well for, for all of our properties. And that's why we always send the photos. We even get it rented out and give them the lease before they close. Like, there's a lot of things to get around what was happening in that situation. I mean, that guy was selling dirt and was saying it was a house. And so all of our, pro all of our clients are also getting financing and getting appraisals and the banks lending them the money. So it's kind of hard to, uh, for us to be selling dirt and claiming it's a single family home. Yeah. Banks don't, banks don't really. <laughs> and that's, that's a thing too. Like, I'm like talking to a turnkey client in California, buying a house in Cleveland. Oh, I want to go see it. I'm like, why do you need to see it? Just hire the inspector. There's also an appraiser going through two people that have more information and more and the bank's financing 80% of your deal. You think the bank's going to finance a house that, you know, is in dilapidated condition and, you know, has a ton of, first of all, it won't appraise. Second of all, Fannie Mae won't even lend on homes that are not in livable condition. So, you know, you got two people in the market, 
that have a ton more information that are going through your property for you at your expense, you know? Yeah. All right. Have we covered, have we covered everything? I have no idea because I was gone for like five minutes. <laughs> you missed everything. He, he was, no, he was I know, brilliant. but there's like, that, five, that was the best, that was the best five minutes. Uh, talk about time. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, this is a, right now, this is a full-time job for you, correct? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're managing, you're managing teams, you know, you're, you guys are, are rocking and rolling. Do you ever envision a time where you're going to try and step back a little bit and enjoy life? <laughs> I got a long way to go. I'm only 25. Um, <laughs> what goes, I think uh, also it goes fast, to do my friend. Things. <laughs> yeah. I like to do things. Yeah. I like to, that's why I have a weekends for, and I play soccer still every couple, couple times a week as well during the day. So I do that. I mean, I like to make it so that we can just, it can be more automated. We just hire more people into Martel Turnkey and slowly we're doing that through like Angelica that I told you. So slowly, like she's handling more and more every single month, she's handling more and more things. And then hopefully she can just have a sales team below her and she could manage all those different factors. But the big caveat for me to getting out of it is that a lot of the teams on the ground have that relationship with me. And so if I was going to step away completely, it's like, who's going to replace me? Um, a lot of the guys just on the ground, like working with me and we've been working together for five years. So it's kind of a, it's a difficult balance. It's going to happen probably eventually. Um, but we'll see how things shake out. I think we've got a, we've got a long way to go. There's a lot more uh, deals that I want to do a month. I want to do a couple hundred homes a year before, uh, before that happens. For your clients who are buying your turnkey properties, um, someone that's buying more than one, say what kind of time investment does that kind of investor have? Oh, I think like per month basis, it's like maybe an hour. I don't like yeah. it maybe not maybe 10 minutes they just have to read the email that the property management company sends and say approved or denied and yeah. that's kind of it and that's if something happens on a monthly basis and then maybe when the tenant moves out then they're gonna you know work more that month but really it should just be we try to make it as seamless as possible so um they should just be collecting rent and then any maintenance tickets pretty much that they have to approve that are over the threshold with it which i think is like two to four hundred dollars they can set it but anything over that amount needs approval from the owner. And so that should be their hopefully just one email every month or less um, that they have to answer to property management. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, Antoine, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you sharing with us and with our audience. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. So you can check out our website if you're interested in turnkey rentals or just to see what the hell we do. It's uh, martelturnkey.com. And then if you want to follow my Instagram or get in touch with me, uh, go check out my Instagram. It's at Martel Antoine, M-A-R-T-E-L-A-N-T-O-I-N-E. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks cool. again for your time, man. Good thanks talk. for having me. Okay. That was Antoine Martel from Martel Turnkey. Uh, go ahead and check him out if you have any interest, you know, in, uh, in buying a turnkey property. Super nice guy. Yeah. He was lovely to talk to. Yeah. Um, so... Did you have a key lesson learned? I did. Um, and I, I sort of brought this up more than, uh, than Antoine, but we both uh, were in agreement on it, which is that when you're investing in real estate to focus on building long-term relationships, not transactional relationships. You know, if you are working with a contractor and your relationship with them is purely transactional, um, you're not going to get great prices. He's probably going to 
charge you. He's going to nickel and dime you for everything. Um, and you know, that's not the way to really scale your real estate business. You really want to, if you've got a contractor and they're a good contractor, keep them employed uh, yeah. in multiple transactions so that you build a relationship, not a transactional relationship. Yeah. Makes sense. What about you? Um, I think one of um, something that was important that he talked about was who to talk to first when you're looking into investing in a new market. And that was property managers rather than realtors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's there. The property managers are going to have more and better resources and connections. Typically they also are going to care more because they are going to have that long-term relationship with you theoretically rather than um, the realtor, which is, you know, more is uh, likely to feel like it's more of a transactional relationship. So um, when you're building that team or looking for properties, that's a good place to start. Um, so to look for a company that aligns with what you're trying to do and also has good contacts. Um, key piece of knowledge, uh, I think, cause he ta- sort of talked about this while you were gone, but I would say the key piece of knowledge that he had to start off with was how to build a team. Uh, mm-hmm. He really, uh, and I think that's where, where clearly where he has excelled because they have scaled uh, on mm-hmm. massive uh, in a massive way. So yeah. um, that really is, and that's true. That that's such an important and underlooked thing when it comes to real estate is trying to build a team because, as we said, uh, a good contractor uh, can make or break you, just as a good property manager can make or break you if you're going to, you know, and those are much more important people than the realtors yeah. uh, who are going to be more on the trans- transactional side than on the relationship side. Yeah. Um, so money that, so he, he invests in sort of lower price point, price point um, properties. So I, th- I kind of found that that was interesting, but that first property, he bought it for 35,000 cash, Mm -hmm. but about five grand in, and then it was worth about 55 afterwards. And they did a refi on it and pulled the cash back out. Yep. Uh, So that was a burr. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how they acquired their first uh, eight to 10 properties. And then he said, eventually they got to the point where they started, they kind of ran out of that first $40,000 and we're looking for ways to keep scaling. And uh, yeah. that is one of the issues you run into. Um, you know, even when you do a successful burr, a lot of times you do end up having to leave a little bit of money left in the deal. Yeah. Um, we have, yeah. uh, you know, but it's usually a lot less than 20%, you know, sometimes it's as yeah. little as 2%, 5%, whatever, uh, which really ramps up your, uh, ROI. Uh, you also run into issues with, um, Financing. Most Fannie Mae, Fr- uh, Freddie Mac banks, uh, if it's what's called, um, if it's a, an agency debt, uh, they're only going to let you do 10 loans yeah. at a time for an individual. Yeah. So, um, Time. Time. This is a full-time job. Yes, what he does yeah. for running a, a, a turnkey company. Yes. Um, now you flip on the head. If you're just investing in turnkeys that someone else is making a turnkey is turnkeying, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is, you know, presenting to you, then you really, um, have very minimal time commitment, um, put into that. So again, like we talked about during the interview, if you are low on time, 
and you know you're just interested in really sort of buckling down there but doing some investments to get started that's something like a turnkey investment might be a good place to start or a passive you've got whatever kind of passive yeah Yeah, a passive investment look to invest passively focus on your core competency and what's making you the money now Mm -hmm. uh build up you know if you've got a job that pays you well and you've got lots of free time then sure uh you know go in and look in uh uh, look to get into real estate investing in, in some yeah. strategy if, if it's something you're passionate about. But if you're working 40 to 50 hours a week and you're trying to build a business, yeah. let me tell you, it's hard. Yeah. But you could do those passive ones and then start learning. You know, you're not just, I think the point was like, don't just quit your job and jump in Yes. Um, or quit, you know, the the real estate strategy that's working for you and jump into a new one you know, stick with what you're doing and then work on maybe learning or connecting with people or doing those other things to push you forward towards what you are, your ultimate goal is. But in the meantime, you're not screwing yourself over. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, and one of the nice things about turnkeys is you do learn a little bit about investing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be kind of a a training wheels kind of entry into uh, the larger investing world if that's something that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And is this strategy doable from anywhere in the world? I would say for him individually, um, yes and no. I mean, obviously he's, yeah. he's got, this is a full-time business and he's, you know, he's got to be minding the store. I don't think his clients would necessarily appreciate him running off to Thailand for yeah. a year. Yeah. Um, but for his clients, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely passive and uh, uh, passive investment. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Again, that was Antoine Martel from Martel Turnkey. Uh, Go ahead and check them out. Uh, You can also find him at Martel, at Martel Antoine on Instagram. Yes. Yes. Uh, Anyway, all the links will be in the show notes. Uh, We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.